0: January 11th, 2023, Baruch She'chayanu VeKiemanu, to a time where we're starting together our third Masechet, Masechet Beitzah. The study together over the course of the next several months should not only bring each of us enriched Yidiatah Torah knowledge of Torah, but it should furthermore bring us together as a group with dibuk haverim. It should strengthen our connectedness to Hakadosh Baruch It should give us lives of uh, not only knowledge, but of meaning as well. Masechet Beitzah, uh, throughout, will deal with the laws of Yom Tov. It's not such a long Masechet. There was a question, a conversation amongst many of us about whether it was appropriate to begin Masechet Shabbat. Uh, I chose, we chose, collectively, to learn Masechet Beitzah instead because it will deal with many matters, as you'll see from the very beginning, that are relevant or just as relevant to Shabbat it's shorter, it's to a certain extent a glimpse of Masechet Shabbat, and perhaps after finishing this we'll uh, sit down again and uh, decide together what we, whether we want to learn Masechet Shabbat next. But Masechet Betza, as I mentioned, really deals with the laws of Yom Tov. So we'll encounter over the course of our study together many if not almost all of those very relevant laws that will come up on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, and specifically on Yom Tov in contrast to Shabbat. The first Mishnah begins without giving explanation yet. the Mishnah is talking about a situation where an egg is born to a uh, chicken. So there's an egg that's born on Yom Tov. What's the status halachically speaking with regards to either eating or even just moving that egg using it for some other purpose on Yom Tov? Why should there be a prohibition? Of course that needs to be the first question. And the answer, quite simply, before we talk about what that word means, is one word. It's called mukzeh. The word mukzeh as milashon haksa'ah. haksot means to set aside. Uh, matters that are not set aside, or rather are set out of your mind before Shabbat and Yom Tov, are, rabbinically speaking, prohibited to consume and to deal with. That's what we call mukzeh. So mukzeh, again, is, is defined as something that you didn't have in mind to use and maybe wasn't relevant in your life before the day began, the night beforehand. That's what, so, in a circumstance where there's a chicken, and we'll deal with the specifics on this chicken, which gave birth to an egg on Yom Tov, the question in turn will be my mind wasn't per se on that egg, is it permitted for me to eat? by extension, or maybe before that, is it permitted for me to handle and use on Yom Tov? It says the Mishnah, Bet Shammai omrim, Te'achel, u'b'et Hillel omrim, Lo It's a little bit of a surprising halacha. We generally speaking assume that Bet Shammai is going to be the more stringent opinion, and Bet the more lenient opinion, and instead Bet Shammai say, Te'achel, they're the ones who are permitting. Bet in contrast, to the more stringent opinion over here, they're saying, Lo cannot be eaten. As I mentioned a few times already, this is not only per se a halacha with regards to eating, although that might be the most common usage of an egg. The gemara, ironically, we'll talk about as well, don't ask me how this is really possible. Uh, taking an egg, but don't ask me any technical detail. Taking an egg and putting it at the bottom of a bed uh, where there's uh, one of the legs is not long enough. Maybe an egg can fill that area. In other words, there's other usages. I imagine that would be difficult for us to do unless it's maybe I don't know an ostrich egg or something like that. But they're not going to be using it. Uh, but the question is, nonetheless, why does the Mishnah only present this law with regards to teachel being eaten? or not eaten, why not just say Asur and Mutar? It's a question that disturbs Tosafot on the top left hand corner of the page. Tosafot first answers, as I kind of was alluding to you, the simple usage of an egg is to be eaten. And as a result, uh, that's why we talk about eaten. Eaten and by extension, anything else. What else are you talking about with regards to an egg? Tosafoto alternatively discusses and, and, and understands that maybe this has, and then they're not fully certain, ramifications with regards to fine tuning and understanding the opinions of Bet Shammai and Beit Hilel in their specifics, as we'll discuss in our Gemara. But that's the first. What's that? Well, that's the question. That's the question. The assumption is, if te'achel, it can be moved as well. Obviously, if lo te'achel, our assumption is it can't be moved either. That's the question. According to Betileel, which it can't be eaten, could you somehow distinguish? It could be moved, used as the bottom of your bed, so to speak, uh, but uh, not eaten. That's what Tosafot struggles with and we'll deal with in the, in the Gemara after Yom Tov, we're not really dealing with any issue at all. It's not that they, you didn't do any sur by being birthed on Yom Tov. No, it's not. It's gonna be Asur Ad Lemosei Yom Tov, very clearly. Uh, that's the uh, first Machlok. The next two Machlokot. We what We'll deal with specifics of mukseh, of course. Um, uh, the Mishnah will go on to mention two other seemingly, and not only seemingly, clearly, unrelated machlokot disputes between Beit and Beit There's no common thread other than one simple one, which both Tosafot, the second one, and Rashi, the second statement, uh, both make clear, and it goes like this. The next two machlokot have to do with holidays, and there are again those unique cases where Beit Shammai are lenient and Beit are stringent. That's it, nothing more and nothing less. Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, we've talked about this on more than one occasion, are very clear with regards to their approaches to matters. Uh, whereas Bet Shammai, for example, the Gemaran, Hagigan, Bet, envisions the heavens as being created before the earth. Bet Hillel envisions it otherwise it's the earth and then the heavens. It's a very foundational machloket. Not with regards to practicality, but with regards to perspective. Do I envision this world as a world which is God's primarily? Beit Shemai. Their name even represents that. Shemai Milashon Shemai or do I envision it alternatively as a world which is we are inhabiting and inviting and bringing god into it as a result their opinions and their uh, and their uh, and their inclinations uh, with and their proclivities in the context of many halachot will follow accordingly bet shamai where they envision this to a certain extent as now this is all, you're just being allowed into his domain. They're going to be more stringent. You're going to be a lot more careful about matters. Whereas the uh, Ruach Nishmatam of bet leil is going to be altogether different. They see matters uh, as, as Eretz and only then Shammai. It's for that reason as well. We've mentioned this Midrash on more than one occasion. R'bili Ezer. R'bili Ezer was a student of bet Shamai, And R'bili Ezer being a student of bet Shamai in Massechet uh, Bava Metian Daph the famous story of Tanur Shel Achnai. Skipping all the details other than the fact that Rbiyad Eliezer tries to prove halacha is like him based on a heavenly voice, to which the hachamim, bi'akiva, and others respond it's not so. We don't determine halacha based on the heavens. Bechamai very much is of that mode of thought. It's for that reason, for good reason, you should be surprised. I mean, we don't assume anyone is fully consistent with regards to their approach. But we imagine when we're talking about Bechamai and a Bechamai are going to be consistently stringent and Betilel consistently lenient. Okay, so that's something already uh, to pay attention to in this Mishnah, but that's the first Mahlok at Be'et Sashen Yom and next and A question with regards to the measurements of prohibition of what we call the isur of eating hametz on Pesach is clear, that's an isur achilah it's a prohibition which is dependent upon eating, and isure achilah or bekazayit, that you're not allowed to eat more than the measurement of kazayit. We can and will on occasion deal with what that means to determine a kazayit, but in the easiest way today, we say kazayit is half a pita bread or so. How we determine that? It uh, looks like a lot larger than an olive, another occasion, but that's, uh, that, that's what, what we're dealing with with regards to eating. That's not what the issue is in our Mishnah. The issue in our Mishnah is owning, owning hamet on the holiday. Maybe there are different uh, measurements. Of course, we either destroy our hamet or we make certain that it's not in our possession over the course of the holiday. Uh, what if a person does have it in their possession? What's their liability to a punishment and b, just in terms of violation with regards to measurement of matters that are prohibited. The Torah mentions not only an isur of bal yera'e or not having found in your possession, not having in your possession, hametz, but it also mentions seor. What's the difference between the word hametz and seor? Hametz we're familiar with. Hametz is dough which rises to a state where it's too, too long, the 18 minutes. What is seor? Seor is what we often terms refer to as a leavening agent, which means it went beyond the edible uh, state of Hamet and it's so much, I guess, hardened to a certain extent, t- to the extent that it now can and will be used as a way of bringing forth bread. It's almost used as, as, as an additive. It's a leavening agent. So seor, I don't know, is a yeast of store. It's a starter. Uh, I don't make bread, but my wife does, and I've seen packets in the home. I think that's what seor is. And uh, seor, as a result, I will discuss why, in the Gemara, has different shi'urim. So bet se'or seor kazayit When it comes to the yisur of balyara'e or with regards to seor, it's a smaller measurement. You can't have more than a measurement of seor so in your possession on Pesach, The be kakotevit. Kakotevit is a fancy word, but it means a date. That's right. And uh, generally speaking, we, we imagine measurements of rabbis as kazait and kabetza. Those are the ones we always talk about, olives and eggs. There's eggs, But over here, there's a middle one. It's called kotevit. It's the date size. It's in between a kazait and a kabetza. For one reason or another, their understanding we'll have to discuss in the Gemara. <coughs> is it's that really it's a larger it's amount, hard which hard means hard. you're more lean, <coughs> right, Understand? You you Which point already point. makes sense, because if we're imagining seor as more compact, as more dense, so as a result, it'll have a smaller measurement for violation. Whereas hamet, which is gonna be a little bit more uh, doughy, a little bit more uh, airy, it'll have a larger measurement that will be kotevet, what's that? And we'll have to discuss, we'll have to, when we talk about kazait and mahloket, as, as is well known. These three cases will all be identical, in I respect this. According to Rashi and Tosafot, might be the only way to go. That's why they're all mentioned in this Mishnah, otherwise there's no common denominator. Both Hametz and Seor are prohibited, and the violation is when it's at the size of a Kazayit. Last Halakha in the Mishnah. You see, the Torah says that on Yom Tob, Unlike on Shabbat, what you're allowed to do on the holiday, now allowed to do on Shabbat, is you're allowed to uh, cook food, and you're allowed to prepare food. So as a result, you're allowed to slaughter on the holiday. We'll have to discuss this, whereas you're not allowed to do that on Shabbat. Of course, if it's slaughtering in order to be eaten. Um, now, when you slaughter, specifically, what's called the Gemara Masechet Hulin derives this from Pesukim, that it's specifically by Haya and Of, you have a Halakha which is known as Kisui Hadam. Now Haya, as opposed to Behemah, even though we generally speaking interchange them, they're very different things. Behemah is domesticated animals, like uh, cows and, uh, I don't know, Sheep and uh, haya is uh, wild animals like uh, deer. deer. That's right. Oh, that's that's the one we all know is kosher and it's a wild animal. Um, that's haya. Of of course, is referring to fowl birds. When it comes to each of those, if anyone's ever been to a slaughterhouse or seen it done, uh, you need to do what's called kisui hadam. Uh, so that's what is kisui hadam. You need to take, and we'll discuss some of the halakhot in the Gemara. You have to take uh, afa, you need to take dirt, and you need to cover the blood. That's the halakha. Why and how and all that sort of business we'll discuss separately. But here says the Mishnah: Hashohet haya beom tov. If a person went ahead and it was permitted for them to slaughter haya or off on Yom Tov. בית שמי אומרים יחפור בדקר ויחסה, so this last halacha is addressing something similar, but a little bit to the side of that first halakha. It's again addressing something that was not prepared and ready before Yom Tov. So the afar, the, the dirt of the ground, the loose dirt, was not prepared for you before Yom Tov. You slaughtered on Yom Tov and oh my goodness, I forgot to have the prepared dirt. I didn't even know I needed to have prepared dirt. Says Beit rest assured, you didn't need to have prepared dirt. You can take a digging utensil, a shovel of sorts, you could dig up ground and do a kisui. The Gemara will question is there something specific about the digging that was problematic? Whereas Beit for one reason or another, disagree. Something's gonna be wrong with the digging over here. Is it the dirt? Is it the digging? Again, the Gemara and, and those whereabouts will deal with the specifics of this case, but a third Mahloket, so the first Mahloket dispute between Bet Shammai and Beit our Mishnah is the Beit and Oda by Yom Tov. Is it permitted for consumption by extension for moving and dealing with on Yom Tov or not? Bet Shammai lenient, Beit astringent. stringent. Second Mahloket that we had in our Mishnah is the measurements for Seor and, Kaz- and Hametz. According to Be Chamai, lenient opinion, so or is bekazait specifically is Bekakotevit. A larger larger measurement, you won't be liable to punishment or or to violation didn't have that large, whereas Beit say, it's both Bekazite, even Hametz. And lastly, the question is, if you haven't yet dug up that dirt, which is necessary for Kisuya Adam, on Yom Tob, and you slaughtered, or are you allowed to slaughter the animal? Says Beit Shammai, go ahead, there's no problem with digging. For some reason, Beit disagree and say, you can't unless you have it dug up. Go ahead. So a uh, only need to do adam, Right. And then also adam has to the same day. Also, for Kisui hadam is supposed to be done immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Otherwise, they cannot cast lots of them. That's right, it's a mitzvah. It's a choba. Well, what happens? Ummodim says the Mishnah, what about if you went ahead and you slaughtered? Shouldn't have done so. You're going to be in violation of mitzvah taaseh. You know, you have to do Kisui Hadam. Ummodim, Shi'im Shahat. What if you went ahead and you were it? Now there's a mitzvah taaseh. Now keep in mind, there's a mitzvah taaseh of Kisui Hadam. The Torah commands us that you have to cover the blood. Uh, what am I to do? I slaughtered, and Beti Hillel yelled at you. It's one of their adherents, one of the students walked by, and he's your rabbi, and it's you. And oh my goodness, I can't believe we slaughtered. Now what are we going to do? For one reason or another, they say, once you slaughtered, now you dig up the dirt and cover it. It makes us wonder, agrees with Bet Shammai after the fact right? In uh, other words, after the fact, avad, if you came and asked bethilel, or an adherent to bethilel, that's how you don't slaughter unless you have the dirt in order to uh, cover. Beit jamai says go ahead and do so. What about if you slaughtered and you don't have the dirt, according to bethilel, yachbor now it's permitted. It makes us wonder about whether that yachbor bedekir was only a rabbinic violation, right? If it was a biblical violation, why should it be permitted in such a circumstance? When the Torah makes bold statements and, and blanket statements, there's always measurements associated with it. And the rabbis will always tell us what those measurements, the Gemara at the beginning of Massechitzot Sukkah says, all the measurements of uh, of of um, of of and the walls. Furthermore, but I'm talking about the She'urim and Kabetsa and so forth. And Ka'adasha is all Although the Torah doesn't specifically give us the measurement, we accept that the tradition is they have some objective measurement. Could be the Gemara says I won't tell you what they would say about you. Says the Mishnah. Over here, says the Mishnah in its concluding statement. She'efir um, kira. And this is a a disassociated law, it appears. And uh, Rashi, for example, just gives us four words. He says The Gemara is gonna question, what do these last words have to do with anything? I'll I'll decipher them for you quickly. Efer means ashes. Kira is a reference to an oven. And mukhanu means it's prepared. What are we talking about? The ashes of an oven being prepared. We weren't talking about an oven. We haven't been discussing ashes. We've been discussing matters of preparation or not. Is this dependent? Is this affiliated with something Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel said? As Rashi already assured us, we're not crazy in not understanding these words. And shouldn't understand these words at this point. Ba gemara ba'im ay ka'ma. Says the gemara, okay, now let's go back to, circle back to that first law which was recorded in the Mishnah, First law recorded in the Mishnah, Beit Sashin Oda Tov, the Mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. And as we mentioned in the introductory remarks, that's going to be a dispute about this mysterious concept known as Mukseh. If something was not on your mind as the holiday or as Shabbat enters, that's going to be considered Mukseh. It's out of your mind and rabbinically speaking, not permitted to use or to eat on Yom Tov or on Shabbat. Now, what's the situation with regards to this birth of um, the egg, well, we have one of two options. I'm far from being a chicken uh, farmer, or a rearer or something of that sort, but I know the Gemara, and the Gemara describes two situations with regards to how you would deal with chickens. People raise chickens in order to eat the chickens, and people raise chickens in order to eat the eggs. That's very clear, and the Gemara will distinguish between those two. Is this chicken, with, which birthed this egg, On Yom Tob, which we're referring to in our Mishnah, was it a chicken that initially the intention was, and maybe still is, to slaughter and eat? And it happens to be before the slaughtering and eating. Oh, fantastic, there's an egg as well. Or is it alternatively, I once in all, of all places in the world, lived in Mea Sharem for two years while in yeshiva, and across the street there was, upstairs in a residential building, must have been two dozen chickens, which were, we're making noise constantly, and when we asked the uh, landlord, the owner of them, so what's, what's this about, he said, I have them in order to have fresh chickens from my mother who is uh, who's very sick. That was it. There was no fighting any longer. All we wanted was to get rid of the chickens that were very annoying. You weren't able to sleep at night, and so he said, I need them for eggs for my mother. There was, you, couldn't, you couldn't win the argument any longer. He appealed to our emotions and lived with it for two years, at least when I was there, maybe they're still there. Um, Anyway, but the the Gemara then is dealing with a situation where uh, we want to define what's the purpose of this chicken. Now, I'll tell you why it's significant. Because if the purpose of the chicken was, in my mindset, entering the holiday, that this chicken is going to be eaten. We're going to slaughter and eat this chicken. So it means that potentially the egg that came out of it as well is part of, no, but maybe it's part of the whole entity since it's part of the whole entity, I should say, of course it's permitted. Even if you say, oh, something has to be on your mind. I was on my mind. I was thinking about the chicken. Alternatively, if the only reason this chicken is around is like that guy had it in order to have the eggs, well, then my mind wasn't necessarily that it was going to hatch the egg this day. And maybe then I could easier, in my mind, associate this with being muktzeh. The gemara, therefore, will challenge either way you go on this, both Beit Shammai and Beit Ilil. Here continues begins the Gemara. It says Bemai Askinan Bame Bemai. With what Askinan? Anan in Aramaic means us. Anachnu. Asik even in Hebrew asik means business. What are we dealing with? What's the case here in our Mishnah? Ilema. Ilema is a compound word. It's Ilema. If you'll say, if you'll say, obviously if I start a sentence with the words, if you'll say, you understand I'm going to challenge, you. if you say this, then this, right? so Perhaps the case in our Mishnah is talking about a chicken, which is it was purposed, it was there in order to be eaten. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, I might very easily understand the opinion of Beit Shammai. Say, Beit Shammai, if you recall, I can now eat the egg. Why can I eat the egg? Because I had in mind, if you asked me as I was entering the holiday, uh, Rabbi, I saw the chicken in the backyard. What's the story with that chicken? We're going to slaughter that and have fresh chicken meat tomorrow for lunch. That's fantastic. That means my mind was on that chicken. Bet makes a lot of sense. The eggs that come out of it as well, maybe it was unexpected, but the whole entity, including the eggs that were inside, uh, were being incubated inside of it, should be permitted. But what about Beti leo? So because I can squirt the chicken on your toe and eat the chicken, if I had my mind on the chicken and it laid eggs, it's okay. The Gemara is going to call it in just a moment ukhlad the ifrat. Ukhlad the ifrat, translated as food which is separated from food. That's right. We, assu- we assume that we'll it's food... Out. What's that? We'll we'll talk about the problem over there. You you have to start thinking about all these sorts of situations. I'll give you, for example, Tosafot is already in in a few lines in the Gemara. Going to start thinking about rain from the clouds. In other words, is that is that something you have to you have to think about carefully and find uh, you know f- finally uh, um, distinguish or not distinguish between these sorts of cases? They're all they're all affiliated and they're all questions. So says the Gemara. If that's the case, if it's talking about de So then, what's the reason ta'am literally means taste? Ta'amayu in plural in Aramaic means what's the taste of betila, means what's the reasoning, what underlies their, their statement. Their statement is the, uh, is the food, uh, their reasoning is the taste of the food. It says the Gemara, it should be considered uchla de ifratu. Again, uchla means food, and ifrat, hard word to translate. I don't know if it's appearing anywhere else in the Gemara. What happened? So I know. I know what it means. I'm just saying it's hard to, for me to give you the etymology here. Uh, so Tosafot on the left hand side, for example, says Perush Ochel hanifrad mina Ochel. The word Ifrat, not, but it's not nifrad. It's Ifrat, right? I don't, you say you think so. And Nehar Perat means the separated, and Ifrat in Eretz. I don't know. Yeah, all right. Anyway, so, but that's what it means over here at the very least. Uklad the Ifrat means it's food which is separated from food. You have to imagine it like a loaf of bread and you just sliced off a piece. Are you going to tell me because my mind was on the loaf before the holiday and not on this specific slice, this slice is prohibited? Of course then, that's nonsense. We'll all be in trouble with regards to any food that we have on the holiday. The white chicken, chicken needs to be slaughtered. That's right. So even though even though I can't take the egg as so it. the ma'aseh, the fact that you need to slaughter it is not going to affect anything over here. Because the issue of mukseh is not that it's prepared for usage immediately, it's that in my mind I'm prepared yeah, for nice. using this on the holiday. It's, it's, it's mehusa maaseh. shouldn't matter with it's regards not, it's to mukseh. What's that? That's an interesting question, uh, and as a result, you know, when it comes to rainwater, it's not visible. It might be there. We'll have a problem for some reason. The Gemara assumes this is not a problem. That's a great this point. Is this is challenging Beitilail. My Ufratu says the Gemara. You're right. Okay, for the moment, we'll fall off of this. We'll assume that the chicken is not. A chicken which was was purposed to be eaten from, but rather. Perhaps instead the case is that the chicken was there, like my uh, across the street neighbor in Me'ashi Arim, and it was purposed to bring forth eggs. If it was purpose to bring forth eggs, I can now understand the opinion of Betilail. That's what I told you earlier. So now I understand Beti The eggs are not yet birthed. I look at it before the holiday, and I say, what is over here? "Ah, Maybe there are eggs inside. Is my mind, per se, on the eggs that I know will be hatched the next day? Can't say that. Who said they'll be hatched the next day? Because they're not here. Now again, if the... uh, Tarnagolet is here and my mind is on the Tarnagolet. The answer to Morris is, but the eggs are part of the Tarnagolet. It's there. It's a part of it. It's like the slice of bread. Over here, uh, if it's for the eggs, I can't see them. I don't know when they're coming. It's my mindset's not on that. My Tamayud beit So if that's the case, how do you explain beit Who were permitting of besa First, as our first lines in the Mishnah told us. Muksei. It should be considered that mysterious word, the word we use all the time mukse Listen, I grew up in a household, for one reason or another, everything was considered There, I don't know, you know, hazat on my kids, I was scarred by it, they don't even know what the word mukseh means. What, what, oftentimes, for one reason or another, when it comes to Shabbat, everybody says, is it mukse or not? All, generally speaking, it's a misappropriation of the word. We're oftentimes talking about, and you hear my son, he loves all these sorts of situations, you're not talking about mukseh. you're talking about a melachat, that's a major difference between A melacha and mukseh. Mukseh is what we're talking about over here is rabbinic violations. Something having to do with it's not appropriate for usage on the day, it wasn't in your mind to be used before the holiday or the day of Shabbat. That's what we deal with with regards to mukseh. Again, it's mysterious, there's lots to be defined and dealt with. Melachot, or the Masechet Shabbat, the the Fain Gimal, lists 39 melachot. Those are, we accept. Isurim from the Torah. You're not allowed to on Shabbat do X, Y, Z, and A, B, C. Those are violations from the Torah. You're not allowed to uh on Shabbat, carry when you don't have an eruv. You're not allowed to be mevashel, to cook on Shabbat and so forth. Those are Yisurim from the Torah. So don't for any uh, moment in time, make the mistake over here when we talk about mukseh. we're talking about the whole breadth of the Yisurim, violations, prohibitions of Shabbat and Yom Tov. Don't specifically, these rabbinic violations, and we're not even talking about all of them. We're talking about specific ones, as we'll have to fine-tune as we go along. So again, says the now I don't understand bechamai. So bechamai, how do you explain it? If we're dealing with a tanigolet, ha legadil betzim its purpose to bring forth eggs, this should be mukzeh. Your mind wasn't on that egg. You looked at a chicken before the holiday. You came to my chicken coop before the holiday, you looked at the chicken, beautiful, what are you expecting, if? I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I, don't I can't tell you that I know that egg is coming out. As a result, it's clear that it should be mukzeh. Says the Gemara, you have a difficulty on Bet that they're permitting in our Mishnah? Oh, we should all heave a sigh of relief. Finally, Bet is permitting. Oh, we've been waiting for the day. Dilma, maybe. Dilma, I've always have wondered. I'm sure it's got to be. Is Milashon Dilemma? I imagine they have some sort of common association. Has to be. It can't be. Dilma means maybe. That's what it means in Arabic. I've always affiliated with Dilemma. Dilma, maybe. Bet let Lehu Mukze. Says the Gemara, maybe the entity, the concept in halakha, in specific circumstances of mukseh, is foreign to Bet Shammai. They don't accept that concept. That's not to say that every situation you've heard of, which is called mukseh, Bet Shammai, will disregard. It's to say that the mukseh that we're referring to over here, and we'll have to fine-tune as we go along what it means, they don't have such a concept. Says so the Gemara, I'll tell you why we have a problem. The reason we can't accept this, that we can't accept that Beit I just heke, don't have this concept of mukse is because our Mishnah is talking about further removed from a regular mukse. What do I mean further removed from the regular mukse? Rashi already over here on the right hand side, about 15 lines from the top, dibura mathil let lehu mukseh. Rashi writes, "Did Dilma maybe be Shimon Sevir Alehu." The Gemara will, in a few moments, quote this opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rashi already brings us the sourcing. It's Masechet Shabbat and Daf Over there, Rabbi Shimon talks about a case of Motar Hashemin Shebener VeShabake'ara. What if, for one reason or another, you're looking at your candle after the uh, the what's it called, the um the wax has uh, now uh, gone down, it's uh, it's melted, and you wanna use it for one usage or another. Yeah, I'm not crafty around that. Maybe you wanna use it to close up something. I don't know, whatever you wanna use it for. You, know, you wanna decorate your table with some wax of some sort. You wanna give it to the kids to play with. You wanna use that wax. Is that wax permitted or is that wax asur because it's what we're going to be considering, um, it's what we're going to be considering mukzeh? Is anything that's left over by extension, not only the wax, anything that's left over from the ne, from whatever type of candle you were using on Shabbat, is that now permitted to use? Again, the candle's no longer being used, but you have leftover stuff, which was created through the combustion, through the fl- fire which was uh, flickering. Uh, that's a question of mukzeh. That was not what was on your mind as you entered Shabbat or Yom Tov. What's the halacha in such a situation? Rabbi Shimon says in that situation, mutar. Rabbi Uda says, asu. That's an interesting mahlok. On Shabbat. On Shabbat. on Shabbat. Could use it on Shabbat. <coughs> uh, well, that being the case, says mm-hmm. the Gemara, Bishamai, maybe they hold no mukze, like bechamai, Like Rabbi Shimon. It's different, I'll tell you why. Bet Shammai's case, our Mishnah, is further removed than that case over there. Listen for just a quick moment as we finish this thought. It goes like this. Over there, you entered Shabbat, you're on Yom Tov, and you're looking at the candle. I don't know, it's an it's a, a oil candle or it's a, a wax candle. You're looking at it, it's right there. The, your, your mind is not as, Your mind is on the candle, but the item is there. The fact that the melted um, wax at the oil sediments came about, it wasn't on my mind, but it was there. That's in contrast to, as Morris described to us earlier, this case, of the egg. I entered the day, I looked at the chicken at night, there were, uh, maybe it looked a little bit bustier, uh, a little bit bigger, but I, I wasn't. Th- it wasn't there, that's what you call nolad. It's something which, so to speak, came out of thin air. That's even further removed from the mindset of a person. Says the Gemara, even if Beit accepts the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, that quote, muxez mutar, that those sorts of cases where it's out of sight and out of mind, it's permitted, that's in a situation, but it was there, physically physically In front of you, it just didn't undergo the process to the state of being where it is. Motar Hashem in Shabbanir, the leftover oil after the combustion with the with the, uh, the with the uh, flicking fl- the uh, candle. Uh, that's in contrast to our case. Our case is Nolad. Says the Gemara, <laughs> The reason we're questioning Beit Shammai is because <laughs> means to go up. daa'tin means our mind. It arose to our mind to believe. Afilu, even man means me, he, deshare. we know that from Hatarat uh, Nedarim, from shiruyim mm-hmm. lachem. Man dishare, he who permits, even according to Bishimon who permits in Mukse Benolad Asur, they would have to agree. We assume they agree that when it's Nolad, when it's Betz'ah dabi on top, when it's so far removed, that would be permitted. So that's where we're stuck right now. We'll continue with this gem- t- Gemara tomorrow. But again, the Gemara is talking about betzashin ol It initially suggested we're talking about La laachila. In which case, we questioned betilel and said, oh, no, no, we're talking about betzah haomedet legadel betim. How come B'et say that it's permitted? Answered the Gemara, maybe because they maintain like Rabbi no, Shimon, no, 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 you can't. This is not a regular case of mukseh It's even further moved. It's called nolad Afiluman de even a person who maintains that it's permitted by Mukseh, yes, and something that's out of sight and out of mind to this extent, it should be prohibited.